Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast, where once again, everyone's predictions are wrong. But this time, Nebraska played a game, but lost to Colorado. We're here to break it all down. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson and Michael Brunts in the podcast studios of Husker 24-7. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm pretty good. I like your Seattle Supersonics t-shirt. Thank you. I'm well. I also enjoy your t-shirt. It's a good t-shirt. Sonics were a good team. The Oklahoma City Thunder aren't a good team, and everybody should hate them. Favorite Seattle Supersonic, go. Uh, I mean, it'd be peak era Sean Kemp before he was terrible. I also have a weird soft spot for Brent Berry, who had to carry the team a little bit in the the mid-2000s when they weren't very good. I thought you were going to say Detlef Shrimp. I I knew that's where you were going to go, so I wanted to let you have it. You have a lot of NBA Jam experience with Detlef Shrimp. Would you no? What I what? Well, I mean that was always a running gag as to whether you would go with Shrimp and Kemp or if you would go oh, Shrimp and Peyton. Usually Peyton. Yeah, but I'd, I'd say Hersey Hawkins. A good three point shooter. Mookie Blaylock. He was a supersonic for a while, wasn't he? Isn't that what Pearl Jam was originally called? Mookie Blaylock. Right? And then they traded him to the Hawks. Were they really? Yeah. I think they got Hershey Hawkins in that deal. Did they? That's Actually. a fun fact. See, people who are listening, they should, right there, they got their money's worth, yeah. which is they didn't pay anything even. <laughs> it's I, your, your free factoid of the day that you can wow everybody with at the dinner table or water cooler. Based on some road trips, I know that Brunts is a fan of Pearl Jam. Yeah. Because it was one of the 37,000 bands I asked him about whether he liked or not. Yeah. Better than Nirvana. That was basi- Yeah, that was basically the first two years that Schaefer and I worked together on road trips. Was I was just going back and forth being like, do you like this? Do you like this? Mm-hmm. I found out that Brunts is a, uh, was, I don't know if he still is, he was the kind of guy that would buy t-shirts at a concert. He had some mm-hmm. band shirts. I used to have some, yeah. Can bu- you guess what band? The one specifically stood out above all others. Is that fair? Yeah, that's probably fair. What kind? What kind of music? Kind of like early or mid aughts college music. Oh, you're you're overthinking this. Yeah, this is a pretty easy. It's a slam dunk. Radiohead. No. That's, that's not bad. I, I would have bought a Radiohead T-shirt if I had the chance. What I bought a Dave Matthews Band shirt out of a guy's oh, pants right, one time right, right. in Folsom Field. Okay. I told you that story, right? No. Guy was like hawking t-shirts in the concert, and I didn't want to go back out and pay the premium for the official merch. So the guy like pulls out like a Dave Matthews Band t-shirt out of his pants, swings it around, and offers to sell it for 20 bucks. He sold probably about 10 of them when I was sitting right there, including one to me. <laughs> and where is that shirt now? Uh, somebody, I'm sure, picked it up at Goodwill and is currently wearing that pants shirt mm-hmm. around. They're probably fired up about finding a uh, Dave Matthews Band concert T-shirt at a Goodwill. It's a uh, it's game worn. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. All right. Well, let's uh, let's just jump straight into. Let's football. talk about Andrew Bunch now. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. There's a potential new starting quarterback this weekend. Nebraska made it exactly one game before needing its backup quarterback, which is just you know fits typical. Fits very well for them. Adrian Martinez banged up late in the game against Colorado. Had to leave. Andrew Bunch came in. Let a drive down the field. Let a couple drives. One that should have went further than it did, but uh, a drop on third down ended it short. And the final drive came up short when the uh, the ball sailed out of bounds. Basically, I didn't think there was much of a play for them on that last throw. The, the third down, 
or the the second to last play he had Stanley. He needed one more second. He got rushed. Yeah. He let it go. Flew a little bit far on the corner out to Stanley Morgan. Where do we want to begin with this game with Nebraska and Colorado? Because I feel like there's a lot of different things, and not all of it bad. I mean, quite a few things look pretty good for Nebraska. They rolled up a bunch of yards. They ran the ball in a way that fans around here are certainly excited about. Uh, some newcomers look good. Some guys didn't look as good. Uh, where where do we want to go? What do we want to start with? Do you want to start just with Adrian Martinez and his performance well, in his first career game? I mean, just overall, I would start there. Like, if you had told Nebraska fans – the stats that were going to be attached to that game the Friday night before, I think most people just said, okay, did they win by three or four touchdowns? I mean, that that's what it looked like on paper almost, you know. Um, so that's why I don't blame people for – obviously they left that game with conflicting feelings, but feeling like this – that was – that was pretty good. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you're really going to take from that where you say, okay, they actually were winning at the line of scrimmage against another power five team. And we haven't seen that in a long time. And then there was about 10 ways they found to lose the game, just 10 different plays where you're just like, how the heck did that play happen? And that play happened. And it was, it was, uh, that's the one thing Husker football still has to overcome. You know, there's still, there's still that hurdle of, like they seem to, they have found a way to make the wrong play at the absolute wrong time through recent years, and again they did that. It, that game to me felt like, even though they lost, like it felt. In, I, I, I was sitting there trying to think the last time that a Nebraska game, I'd left a Nebraska game thinking like, wow, Nebraska really controlled a good portion of that game. And and against a, a team that you could view it as probably more of a toss-up game because I mean you you had games at home like the Illinois game I mean they were expected to win last year, um, you know Maryland those types of teams but I was I would probably have to go back to the like the UCLA bowl game I think in fifteen to be like that was when I felt like Nebraska really on both sides of the ball was really in I mean maybe Oregon in 16 but even then it kind of felt like they kind of fell backwards into a win there in some ways but um there's definitely mistakes that happen against Colorado don't get me wrong I mean you spot them 14 points but you know I I think there's a lot that you can feel pretty good about and you can see if you're thinking about it like building a house in some ways like the framework's there for how that's eventually going to get rebuilt a lot of house talk lately with the uh, Nebraska twenty four seven crew. <laughs> uh, you know, just just going off of what Bruns said there, you can certainly see the blueprint for how they want to play games and how they want to beat teams. And and I just keep going back. I mean, Adrian Martinez was significantly better than I expected him to be, mm-hmm. and I thought he was going to be pretty good. Like I wasn't someone who thought he was going to come out and struggle. I thought he'd come out and play well. But I mean, when that pass to JD Spielman. Uh, as a as a freshman and where he was able to put that ball and then the pass to Stanley Morgan that should have been a touchdown. I mean, those were terrific throws from a guy making his first career game, you know, at Memorial Stadium against a Power Five team that you know say what you will about Colorado, but they're more than likely going to end up bowl eligible and I would guess look like a seven or eight win team based on how they handle their Pac-12 opponents. I just was floored by. Adrian Martinez. I knew he could run. I knew he could extend plays. I knew that he would be better outside of the pocket. But some of those throws he made, I mean, it's like you're getting 
a significantly better player than what you expected. Yeah. And that's, that's how I feel about Adrian Martinez already. And I, I know that it's a long year and he's got to come back from this injury and we'll see what that takes out from him when he does play. And I don't think any of us here expect him to play against Troy, but maybe he'll play against Michigan here in a week. There is a lot of reason to be optimistic about what Nebraska can do on offense when that guy is running the show. Yeah, he'll make mistakes, but he showed already in week one, he put kind of to bed the idea that he was going to be a game manager off the bat, you know, kind of this idea like, well, he's just got to facilitate, you know, get it to the running backs, the receivers, get out of the way. There was kind of that idea hanging in the air, I think, before the opener, like maybe that's what his role is his first year while he becomes something bigger. And I think he announced to everybody he has no intention of being a game. He's a playmaker. He, he's, yeah. he wants to be a game changer, not a game manager. With that, he's going to make some errors where you're like, oh, whoa, that was terrible. Um, because that's that's what guys trying to make plays, that's what happens to him. And you saw it on a couple occasions. He got away with a really big one, you know, when he got sacked technically. His knee was down and he did a play like you or I would do where we just try to fling it up in the air and a linebacker runs it in. So stuff like that, you've got to completely knock out. But uh, there was only like three or four plays like among 70 that he took or so where I thought, well, that was pretty bad. And the rest of it, most of the time you're like, that was really good. Yeah. The offense in general, I was pretty impressed by the, the only things that maybe stood out to me, not a whole lot of tight end usage Mm -hmm. against Colorado, but some of that I think might've just been the matchups that they were going to be able to play and that guys were able to get open. Um, I, I think that you're going to see a little bit more from Nebraska's wide receivers. Even later in the season, we probably didn't see as much from Mike Williams or even Spielman and Morgan, but they had opportunities to make huge plays and two guys that you're relying on, two guys that you need to come through when their numbers are called, left a little out there. And you can point as simply to those two plays as to reasons why Nebraska's 0-1 instead of 1-0. I, I was a little surprised that they didn't use as many guys on offense as they did, too. I mean, we, we didn't really see Jerron Woodyard. Miles Jones, we learned today, was actually injured, but he didn't play. Um, you know, we didn't see Javon McQuitty. I mean, there were a number of guys that you thought, okay, you know, maybe they would be in the rotation at least, and they never were. Um, Do you think that was a product of who they were playing? Could have been. Because you didn't get – you start off, you're down 14 nothing. You never really get a chance to flow into what your normal game plan is because you're already scrambling to – That's true. You get it back to where you're up, and then you're trying to maintain a lead. Then it just kind of turned into a seesaw game. So, to me – the opportunities to use a Miles Jones, even if he was ready to go, I don't know where you would have fit that in. Did you guys? How did you guys feel like the line played? I mean, you, you had Farmer having to move over for Conrad for a series. We saw Bo Wilson for a couple series. I, I thought they played, especially in pass protection, okay. They ran up the middle better than I expected them to. Uh, Greg Bell obviously had one big run through the middle, but they were also able to go up the middle a few other times. I mean, short yardage is where everybody's going to point to, and that's right. where – they're eventually going to have to win those for people to feel like, okay, this line is playing well. But from what we saw last year to what we saw this year, I mean, they they certainly seem like they play better. Some of that is just schemes. Some of that's the guys that are the ball carriers. I mean, Greg Bell can make you look really good when he's able to, you know, squeak through a small hole like he did on one of his big runs up the middle. I mean, Maurice Washington can make you look good when he gets – basically met in the backfield but he's fast enough to turn it into a six yard run like that all of that helps um so it it, 
I feel like it's going to be hard to judge that offensive line week in and week out. But when it comes down to it, they win those short yardage situations, people are going to feel pretty good. They weren't able to do it Saturday, but that's something that I think they can get better at. Yeah, the the fourth and shorts stand out on offense. The third and long stand out on defense. There were three of them, I think, four of them maybe, where you're like, how did Nebraska give up that? I they're The one at the end of the second quarter really mm-hmm. stuck out to me because it was a third and 15. It was a little wide receiver screen, and it looked like no way you should get a first down. Um, and here they he, he gets 16 yards on it, and that was when Nebraska's up a touchdown. You felt at that point, I honestly thought Nebraska w- was going to win that game by 24 points right then. Yeah. Like, I just, it seemed like it was all going their way. They they were annihilating him up front, and they let Colorado off the hook there. They, they lifted the foot off the throat, and Colorado then got another drive to start the second half. Those drives are so big in college football, the last of the first half, the first of the second half, and Colorado won both of those, and that that gave them life again. Yeah, and and that particular play, too, it was surprising because, I mean, it looked like Nebraska had that defended pretty well. I mean, I I thought that, you know, maybe he gets five or six on that Mm -hmm. play, but, um, I mean, then you had the one late, I mean, the the call on Antonio Reed um, and, and the chances to get off the field there uh, when it really mattered, and you just didn't get it done. I mean, that, that's why I think, you know, on both sides of the ball, you could probably point to three or four plays where, you know, if one or two of them were made, that's probably a completely different game and result. Is yeah, there no question. is there something to be said for the fact that there's all this offseason hype and you get humbled? You know, you they they lose a game that's that's done. The staff has taken an L now. You know, we all knew it was going to come sooner or later, but it happens right off the bat, and it it kind of makes you go back to work. I I would think a little bit like, okay, there there's there's some there's a lot of details you got to fix still. It's not just going to happen just because this staff went yeah. undefeated last year. I mean, the way that I kind of see it is we were all right in that six and six to eight and four range with predictions, and they played like a team that's six and six, eight and four. I mean, there's. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that they have to get better at. Pass defense, they need to be able to get better at. They got to get takeaways. They got to limit their turnovers. They have to win short yardage situations. They have to make plays when those plays are available to them. But they also did a bunch of good things too. And I mean, that's just a mark of an inconsistent team. And I, like, we're gonna see this version of this team again. Like, they're gonna struggle against somebody, or they're gonna have moments where they look like world beaters, and moments where they don't seem like they could beat Purdue in a game right now. So it's because of that, they're going to be kind of a tough team, I think, for people to really get a full read on week to week. I fully expect them to go in and give Michigan a game, Hmm. absolutely, in two weeks. And it wouldn't shock me if they struggle a little bit with Troy here. Because, one, you're talking about a backup quarterback, so the offense is going to be a little bit different. But I just, you know, I don't know if Nebraska is going to be at a point this season where – you can feel 100% that they're going to both show up and execute as exactly as you would expect because they just kind of have this sort of team where they're still learning, they're still getting better. I think there's a – I feel pretty strongly that you have to learn how to win games, and and Nebraska gave that one away on Saturday because they just weren't at that point where they knew how to put somebody away. You have to be able to score – or move the ball, or whatever. Put points on the board. I mean, you had a missed field goal. You had a couple drives that stalled on the other side of the 50. I mean, it's, football is all about when you have that momentum and you can keep adding to your score, you have to be able to do it. And Nebraska wasn't able to do that in the second half. 
Yeah. They will in some game this year because they're going to know what they did wrong. Was was for me defense the defense was a lot better than I expected them to be. I mean, I looking at both sides of the ball. I mean, special teams struggled, but I, I was special teams are bad. Yeah, I, I defensively I thought they played a really good game um, overall, especially up front. I mean, I, yeah. I think that. You know, that they gave up 35 yards. Was it 35? Yeah. 35 yards rushing. That, I mean, that, Colorado is going to run the ball this year, too. I mean, it's not like they didn't want to. Yeah. The 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 line change approach to how they're handling the defensive line, I think, is it's going to pay dividends for them in those those Big Ten games. Any, any of those guys stick out to you specifically that maybe you didn't expect would be as good? Uh, well, you never know. Like a guy like Khalil Davis always kind of seemed like he was in Carlos' shadow a little bit. Um, I thought that Damian Daniels, I mean, from his first snap, um, collapsing a pocket by yeah, himself, and and you know he was every bit as advertised. I, I liked when they had. I want to say it was Khalil. It was Khalil. I think Damian Daniels and DeAndre Thomas were the three yeah. guys straight across. I thought that was a pretty good group that they brought in. They had good team work on that D-line to get sacks. Like, the Khalil Davis sack everybody thinks about where he just hammered him. DeAndre Thomas did a great job on that play. By taking away a window. Yeah. Yep. He, he forced uh, Montez to step right up into yep. Khalil Davis. And it was little stuff like that when you watched it back where you're like, oh, you can really appreciate what this guy did to set up that guy. And Gifford was both a beneficiary and set up other sacks that way too by mm-hmm. forcing Montez to move into a sack or step up into the pocket or those guys push Montez out straight into Gifford one of the times. I mean, that is a that's a really interesting point that we maybe didn't ever touch on last year is that sometimes a pass rush is you think about individual guys, you think mm-hmm. about Randy Gregory just beating somebody off the line. But if you're a cohesive unit while doing it, I mean, you're going to end up with sacks, and it might be divvied up amongst the group, but it's because of that yeah. effort. And that's something I think we kind of forget sometimes. Definitely. You get so hung up on, well, you got to have a guy. And they were able to prove that it was more than just one. I mean, they had seven sacks probably across four or five different people. They at least got a half sack in there. Yeah, they probably had two more that they laid on, too. I mean, they, yeah. they probably could have had nine in that game. No trouble. You know the other thing about that game? I've never felt this as much as Saturday where an injury to a player, to me, outweighed almost the outcome. Like, when Martinez was down, to me, that was, like, more of a black cloud on the – far more than actually when Chenault got deep for the game-winning score and it went the other way. Because I was thinking to myself, I was bummed for him and I was bummed for all of us for a second. I was like, if he's out for – 10 weeks we're gonna miss out on a good show like i want to watch this guy grow up and play at the horseshoe and play at the big house and maybe he throws three picks in one of those games but you still want to see that and how he's going to learn from that and the idea walking out of the stadium saturday of if we didn't know if that was going to happen i thought that was the worst part of the whole day that's a good point anything else defensively stand out to you linebacker play was terrific they should be it was good. probably the best that we've seen Nebraska's linebackers play in a while, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not talking like it was just one guy. I mean, Mo Berry made plays. Young had the big fourth down stop. Luke Gifford had some sacks. Tyron Ferguson played like a man on fire. I mean, those four guys, the only entire unit that got black shirts, and I think for good reason. I think all of those guys played really well 
on Saturday. Couldn't you make a good argument that Mowberry and Ferguson are one of the biggest they're, they're, they're two of the biggest parts of this whole transition to me because you can obviously point to seniors, but these guys are actually going to be here two years. Yeah. And so they're here with this building here. And also then that next year where you really want to see this team take a big step. And they just feel like they're already kind of the heartbeat of the defense. I wouldn't say Luke Gifford is that too. But those two juniors are going to be the heartbeat in the middle of that defense for the next two years yeah rude actually kind of talked about that a little bit and that he what he loves about mo berry isn't that mo berry is willing to talk or that you know anything like that it's that he can tell how much football means to mo berry and every aspect of what he does whether it's his preparation whether it's just being on time to things whether it's the training whether it's the on-field stuff whether it's working with other people you can see where there's a level of respect from coach to player based on how Barry carries himself and how much he just loves football. And this is a staff where you can see that that's a very valuable thing to him. As you look at the Cam Taylors or some of these other guys they highlight, some of it's you know, the work that they're doing. Others of it is just the attitude that they bring, that they want to just be – to infest the rest of that locker room. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Another guy th- that I thought played pretty well, um, or at least I noticed him whenever he subbed in, was Aaron Williams, um, who we – you know, hadn't really seen much of it all this fall, was limited in contact until about 10 days before the start of the season. I thought he showed up in a real big way. Um, His first two plays, right? Yeah, um, and, and they're going to rotate at safety and use guys like that in different looks with Trey Neal, Deontay Williams, uh, Antonio Reed. But, I mean, Aaron Williams throughout his career has been that guy that always seems to just be around the ball. He makes plays, and he makes that the back end of that defense so much better. Um so I'll be curious to see if he continues to improve, especially as he kind of gets his real football legs under him a little bit. But he, he was the other guy, I think, defensively that I thought played pretty well that, uh, you know, didn't start but came in and, and gave him something. Did it seem different to you guys afterward the way it felt in the post game? I thought it was a little different. I, I, I thought it kind of came They were not from... hanging their heads with the result. Does that make sense? Like, this was a group that they came out, whether it was the Davis Twins, whether it was um, Ben Stilley, whether it was Tanner Farmer. I mean, you know what it feels like after Nebraska loses a game, particularly when they give one away. It didn't feel like BYU. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like Illinois. It didn't. I mean, they came out and they spoke, and they. I think they felt good about what they put on film but they know that there's more there and that they can be better. Hmm. I don't know how to verbalize it for people who have never experienced what it's like when you're back there and, and players yeah. come out and they don't want to be there, but they're doing it anyways. There was no sullen sadness to it. This is always a tough subject for me because it's not. I don't know what to expect sometimes. Like when a team loses, it's not like you expect guys to come out sobbing or anything after Has a, happened. a loss. But I will say that they're in some recent years. Kaczynski, did he cry? Who? Didn't Rick Kaczynski cry after a game? Oh, yeah? And he did, didn't he? Yeah, I was trying to think of it. Which game was I that? I was talking about Jared Crick. Oh, yeah. After the Virginia Tech game. I'd never never experienced that before in my okay. young run of covering sports. I thought... This is a, a guy openly sobbing while doing an interview. It was, it was bizarre. I thought Rick Kaczynski... Got a little, Kaz? got a little emotional. Caster, yeah. Anyway, Do you remember sorry. which game? No, it was. I mean, it was late. 
late in the was it the Minnesota game? Era. It might have been when it when was, it was, when it was the nail in the coffin. It was it crumbling. Yeah, I I don't I think that was it. I I remember thinking like, wow, that's that's something. Huh. Anyways, sorry. Well, well did my, you notice it during the first of the thirty-two minutes in which he talked after the game, or was it the fourth <laughs> time you had circled back around? He didn't, he didn't cry the whole time that I'm aware of. So, but yeah. Sorry, Brian. No, no that's sorry. all right. I got to remember what I was gonna say. You're talking about it's tough to know how guys react. You don't want them to come out like they're sobbing. Well, my general take, I think, through the last 10 years is, or so is sometimes it felt, this is kind of, I almost hate saying it, but sometimes I didn't know if Nebraska football guys took it hard enough. Like, I, I always felt like there was sort of a, eh, that happened. And it felt like the fan base sometimes, and this is generally speaking, because that's all you can do in a locker room of 140 people because some guys really care. But it felt like, generally speaking, the fans and some others took it harder sometimes than the guys involved. And I always think that one of the biggest things we're going to see a difference in culture, if they can really flip it, is that it has to feel again like where the, the, the sun might not come up tomorrow i mean that's that's how nebraska football has to feel again i know that's like over dramatic but people know what that means like 20 years ago it was like when nebraska lost a game you're like how how do we how do you deal with this you know like i can't go to the grocery store today and they need to get a little of that within the locker room i think and i think they had some of that even yesterday and even with shafe what he said is true like boodle was talking about guys were just more emotionally thought about it in you know different ways and so i i think that's a good sign well it it seemed like there was more it's more forward facing now like in in the past years you know you you the team would lose and it would be very much you know, all our goals are still out there uh, yeah but but like this team is very much like okay we know we know we played better than poor for the most part in that game probably should have won it mm-hmm. um i don't think that there's going to be a hangover by any means from that game so, yeah. and that loss i think it's i don't it, it just felt what yeah i guess this is a terrible podcast but you kind of had to be there i mean like <laughs> <laughs> thanks bro good yeah. night everybody yeah that's, but i mean like it, it, good it luck was, with those credentials yeah it was just different like and you could tell um that the feeling was different in that locker room and, and not in a it felt genuine too that feeling was different not just the locker room but it was different with the way the game was played too i mean i know they gave up a bunch of yards passing i know the defense wasn't great but it, it didn't feel like the sort of loss we've seen before even if elements of it certainly felt like the kind of nebraska performance we've seen before if that makes sense yeah well and the dam didn't break there's that you're down 14 nothing I when they went down fourteen nothing, I was like, uh, is this gonna be first half of Otson all over again except at Memorial Stadium? Yeah. And to Nebraska's credit, they score and they got that immediate three and out, which I that told me more about Nebraska than probably anything else that happened in that game. Was that they responded from being down fourteen nothing by going and getting a touchdown and the defense forced a three and out, they score again. Like that hasn't happened a lot in recent years for Nebraska. Normally it's when things aren't going right, it never gets back on track. It's just permanently derailed. Yeah. Everybody's just leaving the train cars in search of finding some way to get home. 
Were you guys as fired up about the tackle on Adrian as others? I didn't know how dirty it was until probably Monday when I saw. Mm-hmm. I finally watched a different version of it. Um, and was, it, was, it, it, was your view, where was your vantage point from for that? Well, from the field level, I was down in the corner. And so you saw Adrian take off and he went down awkwardly. And I could tell immediately, not good. Like mm-hmm. you could you could see even live, like immediately he hit someone staggered and then the way he was moving just didn't look good. And, I mean, I didn't know anything about 44 from Colorado until Monday. Certainly doesn't look great on film. I don't anticipate anything happens to him. Um, you know, Colorado's already investigated, and they're moving on. Right. So. I mean, he didn't exactly put him in the sharpshooter, but he definitely, like, <laughs> wrenched, his, wrenched it a little bit. Was it the Ken Shamrock ankle lock? It, it, it was like a half. Like a uh, single leg crab. Yeah, it was, it was headed that way. So yeah. n- nothing's going to happen, but it was, you know, it was no Jay Cotton situation. It, he was, no, he was Ben Cotton. Ben, ben Cotton, ben Cotton so. yeah. A Jay Cotton situation. That's just, another matter. Just tilting over. It's falling over. The tree falls. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, there was something to be seen there, I think. And I don't think that's just like seeing it from a Nebraska perspective either and, and hearing players Homer. talk about it. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. Next year is going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> is that kid a senior? Like what year is he? I don't know. Colorado, they lose quite a few, don't they? Or Montez is a junior. He'll Levisca be back. is an underclassman, I so think. So they got the big two. Yeah. Well, if, if Nebraska gets rolling and has a chance to – to pile it up, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Mike McIntyre caught him when he could, right? That's what Scott Frost would have said <laughs> yeah. in Chicago. Yeah, that'll be fun. From a recruiting perspective, there you go. Nebraska did get a commitment within the last week. They did, but it came from a junior college player. They did in Dedrick Mills, and I don't think we we had podcast before that it happened, right? Yes. There's I a lot so. of uncertainty, right? There's a yeah. lot of slow Yes, I, I'm trying to remember. I can't. <laughs> Jacob Collier, the uh, knee twist, knee uh, twister. Uh, <laughs> he'll he'll be there next year. Wow. I'll tell you what. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Jacob's in for a. Yeah. <laughs> is he, Brian? This is where you get the tough guy bar talk. Class I'll tell you 2017. what. I, I tell you what I do to that guy. What would you do, Brian? I don't got anything. Well, Sharpshooter. I'd, 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 Sharp I'd give him a dirty look and walk quickly past. <laughs> Mumble something. Stolberg would put him in the torture rack. Yeah. Anyway, Dedrick. Mills. Another Dedrick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they've they've got one leaving, and then they would have one arriving, a running back commitment, which is pretty interesting in terms of how Nebraska lost Thomas Grayson injury to – Ronald Tompkins, and now they have Mills as part of their their running back room. Some of this, I think, just stems from wanting to go out and getting a good player. And and Mills put up big numbers for Garden City uh, in his first game, and I I think he did again for his second game. And so I I think they just see an opportunity to add someone who can help them out. They didn't get any commitments yet so far from their two weekend visits. They've had 13 people on campus, some of which were already committed to the program. Guys like Chris Hickman, I think, are close to tight end from Omaha. Burke, uh, Bryce Benhart, the offensive lineman from Lakeville North, 
Seems like he could be kind of close. Not close at all would be Javen Wright, who's looking at a December decision. Washington looms. UCLA is involved. Nebraska could, in theory, be full on their own defensive backs uh, before Wright even makes that decision. So that's something to watch. Jamel Starks, Taiwan Mullen, both interested in Nebraska. Both have other visits they're going to see before they make their decision. So there's they they put their best foot forward with some guys. I think that they're certainly going to get some commitments here, whether it be somebody like Brant Banks or Ben Hart or Hickman. And those are going to happen by the end of the month. And there's not going to be any official visitors that we know of at this point on a Wednesday for this weekend for the Troy game. Tough to get them in with an 11 a.m. kick. But they're planning on several for the Purdue game at the end of the month. So I think by the time they play that Purdue game, they will have added another to their class. Full boat? They're taking a full boat this year? Is that the They're the taking more than a full boat. 35, 40 if guys? A, if a full boat is 25, they could end up with 26 or 27. Mason Wall, Justin Rogers type of class. I that don't before think, your time. I think they're looking for a little bit more contributions. <laughs> Mason Wall. Well, so was Nebraska back then. <laughs> well, that's a good point. I don't know if Mason Wald was one of the most hyped guys based off of, but from a select group of fans based off of a few highlights that were surfacing on the internet. It was that was a fun one. That'd have been two thousand nine. There were special teams highlights too, weren't yeah. they? He, they were good. He was kind of a missile in high school and just took people out. But that was he's from Alabama, right? Yeah, and his teammate was Justin Rogers. Turns out I think the, it was Bo's first class, which had Micah Kreikemeyer in it. And oh, so that was a, the transition class. I think it was. That was when Nebraska had a really good class and then finished with Baker Stein Cooler and a bunch of dudes. Yeah, they had about. And Tom felt, came out of retirement to offer Micah Kreikemeyer. Yeah, felt like they had about thirty-five in that class. And about four of them <laughs> went on to to do some things. A little rough, I think, if you look back at it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> to put well, it mildly. I, I think they're going to get more out of this class. I'm going to go ahead and make that prediction That's here good. on Whoa, September 12th. On the record. Yeah. Whoa. Put it on there. Well, what else? Is there anything else we want to get into here? Kind of covered recruiting quickly, but there's not a ton happening aside from the guys that have visited and – are going to make commitments at some point, but aren't ready yet to do it. What do you think about this? Uh... Yeah, what about Troy? I don't have any thoughts on Troy. They got boat raced by Boise, and they beat up an FCS school. I think they'll be relatively solid. One of their better wide receivers is suspended. And a running back. Yeah, and a running back. Uh, so they've, they'll come in. They'll be ready to play. I think Nebraska with Andrew Bunch is going to run the ball a lot. I asked on the message boards if 62 and a half, would you go over under on total rushes? Start with Brian. Under. Under? Yeah. They ran 53 times against Colorado. I'm going to say under. Ah, he likes Bunch slinging it around no, a little bit. not saying they're slinging it around. Bunch of passes. I, I just, 37 or more throws from Bunch, according to Brian, based on this. I think it's a good number. I'm not like acting like they're going to only run it 24 right. times. I don't know. Not like uh, the not like the Nebraska Illinois game of when it was thirty five mile an hour winds and Danny f- threw it all over the place. But those tight end screens would have worked my, if they blocked them. <laughs> shook his fist at Mother Nature and said, "We're going to chuck it all over the yard." What about uh, what about this Big Ten West? I've kind of 
I'm not unimpressive. Big yeah, I'm not. That's what I'm getting at. I don't. There's nobody out there that's knocked my socks off yet. So outside Has of Nebraska, s- knocked your socks off? No, I mean they they still lost. If we were so. gonna go of a socks ratio, <laughs> this should be a new thing. <laughs> How who, is, who is the closest? Socks. Okay, so Purdue, the socks are fully on, like as far on as they can get. Oh yeah, back. they're like an old man, like you know, getting ready for church. You, like, you have the little like hold the <laughs> things that hold them up too. Yeah. Like right. An old man in 1944 so, <laughs> getting ready for church. So Purdue is the highest level of socks. Yeah. And then Illinois probably in that category. Oh, Illinois just, that's all they own. Oh. Like, they don't even have the low-cut socks. So who's got the the mid-highs? Um, hmm. well, Northwestern right now. I mean, that was a bad loss. They'll probably snap out of it, and they're a solid outfit, I think. But that seven points, and Iowa, Iowa, you would have to say is being Iowa. I mean, I their socks are always like, <laughs> you know, what color are a they? certain level? They're like gray socks. They're they're beige. Yeah, they're beige. <laughs> their dad socks. Dad went to Sunday morning services. And didn't bother to change his socks. The striped tube socks. No, they're gold. They're gold toes. They're like they're well, well worn navy blue gold toes. <laughs> yeah. They're a little faded. I have a couple gold toes. <laughs> okay. So who? Okay. Would you put Iowa in mid high socks? But those are their socks. Like you, you're like I, I. That guy actually looks okay in those socks because you're just like that's who he is. Does he have like? Some white New Balances on when he's wearing these socks. Yeah, he definitely owns a pair that he sometimes gets out with the socks that go yeah mid high. All right, where is Nebraska on the sock ratio? Nebraska like has the low socks that are cool. Are they the ankle cut? Or are they the? No, I think they've got the ankle no cuts, but they yeah, t- but this... their their shoes fell off, and you realize the R was on the L, and the L was on the R, oh. and it's kind of embarrassing right now. I didn't know that they designated. They do on a few. I have a few, and I've had that happen where you look down and, you, and you're, you got your R on your L. I need to investigate where I'm buying my socks if I don't have. I think it's a little humiliating that the Nike or whoever thinks they have to do that. Like, we better tell these guys which. Do you have any like this? No. Yeah, I, I have a few. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. I'm going to bring them. <laughs> I'll bring right. them next, next week. Next podcast. <laughs> you can wear them uh, with your sweater vest. For Wisconsin, the Wisconsin no-shows? Or are they at the ankle? Um. Yeah, they're they're still low. I mean, they they're doing what Wisconsin does. It feels like they're always a team in September that that they'll play somebody who you would think, oh, they should be ahead of them by five touchdowns at halftime, and they're not. They've done that before and still been really good. So I haven't changed my opinion much on them, but I wouldn't say they've been ultra impressive either. Isn't that is kind, it, is kind of how Northwestern is though this time of year? Like it always yeah. feels like they, oh, they start slow. They start slow. That's why I thought Purdue was going to beat them. They lose ugly to some team that generally trends more academically. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Accomplished. Uh, yeah, they knocked off Stanford a few years ago, and then they lost that really bad game at. Or did they beat Stanford at home, or did they? It was like thirteen six. I thought they beat them both times. Did they? Well, may, my, I maybe. know they've lost to Duke before. They lost to Duke. David did Covercliffe. Did they, they pl- did they place like play like Rice close or something like that? <laughs> they might have. Well, they they played some FCS Illinois school very close last year. Yeah. Well, so uh, did, so did Ole Miss. There's no shame in that. It's, Brian, going back to this, I, I don't want to leave out the Big Ten East from sock talk. 
Oh, okay. Ooh. Is there anyone running free and easy in the yard barefoot right now? Ohio State probably. And they're the they're the the yeah. barefoot team. Yeah. Because Penn State probably hasn't knocked your socks off, though they did beat up Pitt pretty good. Ohio State is running around barefoot in the yard, but they're being loud, and none of their neighbors like them right now. You know. This is the best every week. Sock talk. <laughs> Sock talk with BC. I don't know who else in the East. Penn, I mean, Penn State, it felt like got, they found their socks. They've been, like, they only what had. they were missing? Is they, they they good? They only had one sock, and they couldn't. Was there a hole in the sock, the first sock? No, it was just like when you're trying to find two dress socks to match, and you can't find the other one in the drawer. I mean, I always try to tuck them together, but sometimes you can't find the other, and you're doing this mad search, and finally it come, you find it. Don't they, you tuck them together it. when you get them out of the dryer sometimes but sometimes you're just in a hurry and life doesn't go that way (laughs) i have a breaking news uh the sock news the cleveland indians broke up a no hitter in the sixth inning they're still losing though i'm sure three to one that's good um baseball's fun love baseball (laughs) that's all i have both your teams are going to be in the playoffs and i get to watch you guys i hope play a series against each other and get yeah, At you, this point, I'm rooting for the A's because my team isn't going to perform. You have to be Switzerland in that, though. And that podcast that week is going to be so uncomfortable. <laughs> if it happens. If it happens. Your lineup has a lot of good players, too. I'll just be like. <laughs> I'm not even going to refer to Mike. I'm just going to say, Brian, would you please tell Mike that. <laughs> I'm not even going to let you in the house. <laughs> just, just run the cord to the, yeah. the mic out the front door. Yeah, you're podcasting on the porch. <laughs> is that the wind? Yeah, Brunts is outside. Not allowed in. All right. Well, I think it's time for us to end this. Sock talk is over. Nothing else? Well, yeah. Everybody can always visit Husker247.com where they can check all of the great stories that went up after the game, all of the game coverage, recruiting coverage, all of the what's going to happen to Adrian Martinez. We already told you. If you're a VIP subscriber, you already know what's going to happen this weekend because we told you. You know who's going to be starting at quarterback and who isn't. You probably know who's suiting up and who isn't. But that's the the advantage of being a VIP member, which you can sign up today at Husker247.com. Otherwise, if you're not quite ready to make the VIP jump, tons of free stuff for you there, too. And Sock Talk. 